question that I get often from people who aren't in the neurosciences is, do you really use 10% of your brain? And you know what my answer is? I'm like, yo, if you use 10% of your brain, bro, you'd be dead right now. Like, <laughs> like you, you would literally be dead. Like, Wally Collins, born in Springfield, Massachusetts, one of New York's premier comedians. And though convinced that he bombed his first time on stage, Wally's persistence never wavered. Refining his craft over many years, his clean and clever style awarded him accolades from NBC, CBS, Fox, HBO, ABC, VH1, and Comedy Central. Even, uh, even being featured by the godfather of late night, David Letterman, Wally appeared in more than 30 nationally televised commercials and also appeared in films, including the cult hit Coyote Ugly, Chris Rock's Top 5, and he's also featured on the Auction Network's series Crazy Love. He even worked with former Presidents Bush and Obama. Wally's also a published author. His book, You Never Know, uh, is a book of 50 thought-provoking encouragements to help you get through whatever challenge comes your way. There you go. A stand-up legend and entrepreneur from the golden era of New York comedy. Wally Collins, let's talk about the science of comedy. <laughs> wow, that's pretty impressive. Dude, you're you're a big deal, man. You're a big deal. So there are several questions. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. I'm happy you're here. The Deep Thoughts, Science and Social Justice. This is, this is a podcast where we talk about science and we talk about issues in the sciences uh, from minorities and different perspectives from people of color in the sciences and beyond in, in politics, in, in the arts, um, and trying to make science more accessible to the community at large. Hmm. Um, so in this, we're going to be doing this through a lens of comedy. Uh, I'm not a funny person, but comedy from a science perspective, I guess. So, <laughs> so there are several questions we're going to address in this episode, such as, why do we laugh? The evolutionary history of laughter. Is laughter adaptive? And laughter, men versus women, and the neurobiology of laughter as well. So, you know, I'm not a funny person. I'm like, when, I'm, when I was doing the research on this stuff, I'm like, I understand this language because it's like literally just numbers and science and whatever. Uh, but I'm hoping that, uh, for anybody out there interested in understanding the, neuro the neurosciences and how the brain looks when we're laughing, perhaps you, Wally Collins can help us distill the biology of laughter in a way that makes sense. Like when you tell a joke and your audience is going crazy about it and they're all laughing, maybe you can start to have a picture in your head of, oh, this structure in their brain is probably lighting up because I'm talking about a sex joke or this structure in their brain is probably letting up because I'm talking about their mama or something. It's an interesting sort of experiment. You know, why you're live on stage? How long does it take for me to evoke a laugh? What if, do I get more laughs if I talk about the economy? Or do I get more laughs when I talk about, I don't know, uh, you know, lame politicians or whatever. So maybe you as, as a leader in your field have tried poking your audience in this way to try to see how do you push their buttons in the best in the best way possible? But maybe we can add a layer to that. How do you sort of make their brain light up? I guess so. Before we get into that, you know, let's maybe discuss briefly 
the history of laughter. <laughs> okay. So, uh, a 19th century French physician, and I'm going to screw up his name, uh, Guillaume uh, Duchen. All right. A 19th century French physician named Guillaume Duchen coined the term the Duchen smile or Duchen laugh. Through a series of experiments, this scientist was able to elucidate two different kinds of smiles. One was voluntary, which is a slight grin just to be polite, or it's kind of like an awkward smile, I guess. And the other was involuntary, smiling while laughing and moving more facial muscles. And this, and this Duchenne laugh uh, was revisited again by other scientists in 2005 named Gervaris uh, named and Wilson, who speculated that laughter had an evolutionary history. And the thing is, is that when you're talking about science, Wally, you mm -hmm. always have to cite the person who invented the term because because in science it's like you know it's like how you sort of honor all those guys who came who came before and you have to sort of cite their work and whatever so okay. these two guys uh speculated that that science had an evolutionary history where douching laughter came about two to four million years ago by involuntary laughter in primates uh so primates when they're laughing they have this sort of outgrowth of breathing and grunting uh, when they're like playing around or throwing dirt or doo-doo at each other. Um, and so this sort of laughter was a signal that things at the moment were okay and that danger was low and that basic needs were being met. At least that's what they speculated uh, and that it's a good time to explore and play and socialize. Um, and what this humor is signifying, at least in primates, is maybe this is an opportunity for learning or this signals a non-serious novelty or allows these, these chimps to explore and play with each other. So it really begs the question, since apes and primates do show some sense of humor and laughter, does that mean that humor is adaptive because it's conserved across multiple species? And what conserved means basically is like, no matter if you're a human or a rat, you, you both do it, right? And so in this case, laughter, whether you're, 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 you're a chimp or you're a person, you're still capable of laughter, right? Mm -hmm. So there's some commonality there, right? So like, how do we pin it down? So, you know, while you made a lot of people laugh and so just off the top of your head, like, do you, you watch, you watch Animal Planet and you've seen, you know, the, uh, the, the, the earth, like movies on Netflix and whatever, like, do you, have you seen animals laugh before? Like, what kind of animals have you seen laugh? And do you think that laughter is something that animals are capable of perceiving and understanding? Um, I don't know if it's it's an actual H-A-H-A, -H -A, like, you know, <laughs> laugh. But I, I think they show, um, you know, they approve or they there's there's humor in, in what's going on in our lives, you know, because dogs... They definitely have a way of, of laughing and you can tell, you know, if they're laying on their backs or they have that then when they when they drop their jaw, you know, a little bit, they can tell they're they're enjoying themselves. And well, chimps, of course, they they're just flat out just, you know, laugh. But I I think when it comes to laughing or human beings laughing, it's all about relatability. Mm. Um, if you relate to it, you know, as long as you can relate to what that person's saying or the person's putting on the joke or pushing the joke, um, you, you're going to get a laugh. And it's, um, 
it's just a, a relaxing, great feeling to actually push out that laugh. Yeah, re relaxing feeling like, you know, I was thinking about like how kind of smart you have to be to like understand a joke, you know, because like mm -hmm. even simple jokes utilize a lot of different skills like language skills, theory of mind, symbolism, abstract thinking, social perception, and humor is arguably like mankind's like most complicated cognitive attribute. And so, you know, laughter by consequence is also because it makes you feel good is also a reinforceable behavior where you can sort of use it to navigate contentious social situations or use it to uh, indicate that things are safe and that the community is okay or use it during courtship. <laughs> so, you know, the next sort of topic here, since we're talking about sort of ev evolutionarily conserved things, you know, what's another thing that's conserved, uh, courtship and like dating and stuff. Right. So the question is like, how important is laughter like during dating? Like before we get into laughter, men versus women, like why is it that women are always saying they love a guy who can make them laugh? Like, is that something that even our ancestors would tell each other, like they love a caveman that can make them laugh. Is that, do you think that's an evolutionarily conserved statement? I would love to meet a caveman comedian, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he jokes about? Like, Oh, probably fire. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Jerry Seinfeld of caveman, what is with fire? <laughs> or like the Fred Flintstone, you know, God, this this uh, rock bus was so late today, trying to head uptown to, I don't know, it's just me trying to. <laughs> See, I laugh at your attempt, so. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I just overthink, you know, like I'm trying here. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's once again, I think what it is, is that you, you, you just talk about things that are familiar with uh, the person that, you know, or the, the audience, so to speak. And um, once you uh, bring up something that's familiar or relatable, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it usually bring a laugh. And a lot of times when I'm on stage, if something goes wrong or someone spills a drink or uh, I, you know, I fumble over my words or something like that. Um, if I mention that obvious thing or something that everyone saw, everyone will get a laugh. It will get a laugh because we all relate to that, mm. that moment, you know? So yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's all about being relatable and um, then the, the being clever is the tricky part of uh, like of comedians or any kind of genre media to to get that belly laugh or that that longer laugh. Mm -hmm. So there, there's the trick. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know what's a trick? Did you know that like there are studies that have been done that show that there are differences in like how much men and women laugh to the same thing? So, yeah. You know, oh, that's what I say about women. I think what it is is that when a woman, um, a man can make a woman laugh, I think it's, it's like we we're talking about before, being safe. She has a feeling of being safe. That, you know, we really think about it. To laugh, you have to let your guard down. Mm. And I, I really think that when women laugh, they, you know, they're letting that guard down and saying, letting you come in. I feel safe with this person. And I, I think subconsciously, they like a man that makes them laugh as a person that helps them feel safe, you know, around them. You know, what's like another interesting theory about that actually 
is that it's also in I, I read that it's like a funny guy is like also indicative of like intelligence and creativity and other aspects of your personality, playfulness, openness to experience. Like, I guess I'm none of those things because I'm not really that funny. But, you know, that's like another sort of evolutionary thing where if this person is smart and creative and playful, uh, maybe he's also funny as well as letting their guard down and making them feel safe. And mm -hmm. actually, there were some studies done um, by a scientist named Provine in 2000 where he found out, actually he or she, I'm not sure if it's a guy or a girl, uh, as we talk about laughter men versus women, but he or she found out that uh, women... Women that women laughed 126% more than men during conversations with each other. Uh, and while there may be other factors at play, like cultural factors or gender imbalances or social status or whatever, this phenomenon was consistent in other experiments, such as uh, another study where psychologists showed people two showed showed 200 photographs of people, men and women, and paired each photograph with a funny or fairly bland autobiographical statement about them. And when asked, the women chose the funnier men as potential dates, but the men, on the other hand, showed no preference for funny women and just didn't really care. Uh, <laughs> We're dudes, man. <laughs> what, is, what is this? Like, what, what is up with, with guys who just don't care if women are funny or not? Uh, I think it's a plus. <laughs> I think it's very important to have such a humor, sure. So how, how important is like laughter in, in like a relationship, like, you know, in your marriage life or with your girlfriend? Like if if this so this study is saying these studies are saying that women care a lot if like their partner or the person they want to date is funny, but men don't really care that much. But is that really true? Like as guys, do we want our lady to be funny and do we want humor in our relationships? Well, I can't speak for all men, but I, I believe that it is important to have. Uh, humor in a relationship because once again you know it's about feeling safe and feeling comfortable like you know and and you're on the same level of you know of your sense of humor you know some people like that dark humor you know and to have a partner that's on the same level with you that's that's a safe feeling that's a comforting feeling you know that you can say something and you're not self-conscious of uh, of that thought or, or what you think is funny so yeah i think it's up there like number one and number two uh having a sense of humor is um and also to i think intelligence because you're saying that you know having a sense of humor is a sign of intelligence and if you were the partner and you guys have the same kind of humor i think that you you, you kind of match uh, intelligence too you know what that's a good segue because there's another study by this guy named daniel howard i'm probably going to re-record my terrible pronunciation of these names in 2008 from the university of colorado boulder asked nearly 200 people to create humorous statements or draw funny images. Uh, and those who scored higher on tests of, of general intelligence, IQ tests, also correlated with significantly better humor in their humorous statements or funny images. So actually, mm -hmm. there's data out there that shows uh, higher scores on IQ tests correlate with significantly funnier memes, I guess. But then again, these IQ tests can be biased sometimes. But that is a very interesting uh, transition. And so, you know, since since we're sort of talking about the whole kind of sociology aspect of humor, let's dig it a little deeper and actually get into like the neurobiology. And this might be more my realm and my forte. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. You know I mean, yeah. So like this might be more like my sort of realm. You know what I mean? So like 
So what's interesting is, so the brain is like, the brain is to preface, like a lot of what I'm going to say, like the brain is a very interconnected place. The brain is very complicated. The brain is, well, obviously it's complicated, but it's like very, it's big. Like this little right. thing, this thing in our head is actually ginormous and has a lot of, uh, uh, spaces and structures and signaling that controls, you know, like a lot of, like a question that I get often from people who aren't in the neurosciences is, do you really use 10% of your brain? And you know what my answer is? I'm like, yo, if you use 10% of your brain, bro, you'd be dead right now. Like, <laughs> like you, you would literally be dead. Like imagine like somebody took a spoon and scooped out a little bit of your brain. Like you think it'd be all right after that? No, <laughs> and there have been studies about people with brain damage and and how they react to humor and people with like, you know, schizophrenia or autism and how they perceive complicated, you know, scenarios or jokes and, and study after study, it's shown that people who have these certain kinds of deficits also don't laugh as hard or even don't perceive jokes as often. So hmm. there are different ways you can perceive human like laughability, I guess. Uh, right. And you can do this by observing brain damage in people or looking at functional magnetic resonance imaging, which is an imaging tool that scientists use to monitor brain activity. And actually, uh, in a study by Goal and Dolan in 2001, they observed differences in neural activation between uh, different kinds of between really great jokes and not really great jokes. Um, <laughs> And so what they found is that, and these structures are going to get a little technical-y and a little jargony, but what they found is that uh, when individuals are laughing to really great jokes, there's a lot of activation in structures such as the medial, ventral, prefrontal cortex, or the or regions in, in the frontal cortex in general, other cortical regions, and that this, this correlated with laughter. Um, and these structures that are at play when these individuals are laughing are actually associated with the reward pathways in the brain or the mesolimbic structures in the brain. So in the brain, there are multiple pathways that involve, you know, the neurotransmitter dopamine, for example. Yeah. Like the, love me some dopamine. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, so like the nigrostradial pathway, for example, uses dopamine to initiate movement. Uh, but in Parkinson's, there's a deficit of that. Or mesolimbic pathways use dopamine for reward, like when you're gambling or something. Uh, and let's say I was hooked up to an fMRI, like, and I'm gambling, you would see this this dopamine in this pathway light up. Or if I'm laughing, you would see that as well. So, uh, what they found in this study is that other the types of structures that are activated in humor include temporal temporal occipital junction, left left inferior Whoa. frontal gyrus, left temporal, left temporal lobe, supplemental motor area, left dorsal anterior cingulate, bilateral subcortical structures, including ventral striatum, nucleus accumbens, ventral tegmental area, and amygdala, Jeez. which are key components in mesolimbic dopamine reward systems. <laughs> okay, that sounds like fun. So what you, did you learn something there, Wally? <laughs> Any questions? I, 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 heard, I heard mental... <laughs> And then I heard and then lobe. And then lobe. <laughs> I, I mean, these, so these, so what's interesting, like about these, like, again, these structures is like, they're activated when you're gambling or you're 
getting money or something like that. And I can guarantee like if you are performing or whatever, uh, those structures are definitely like on fire. Like when you're telling a really great joke. Uh, right. and, and right. so what's also very interesting, cause we were talking about, um, you know, the evolutionary history of laughter, um, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, is laughter like, do you have to be intelligent or understand really complicated symbolism to understand humor? And so these structures that I mentioned actually are fairly evolved structures in the brain. Right. So, so these are actually like sort of topical regions on the surface of the brain. We call that the cortex. And so if you ever, which you probably never will, if you ever have a brain in your hands, I hope you never do. Uh, well, I guess it depends on the situation, <laughs> but, uh, well, I, I have put my hands on people's heads. Does that, does that count? Like I'm saying, I'm holding their uh, head. Well, step on the actual brain, take it out, and then. Yeah, well, you know, actually, this would require a little bit of dissection to to get. Oh, okay. There. So right. maybe so. If you ever like had like a brain in your hands, and you would see down the middle this area called midline, right? So the brain oh. is like a a um, symmetrical thing. So like every structure in the brain is bilateral, meaning that. Mm -hmm. If it's on one side, it's on the other side, precluding right. any da brain damage or whatever, or any genetic problems. Like each structure has a parallel structure on the other side of the brain as well. And wow. so, yeah. And so when you take this brain and you slice it down the middle and you kind of look at it from the side, like you slice it down the middle and then you kind of turn it and then you look at the inside, Right. you would see like the brain is actually like a bunch of layers. When you look at the brain from the side, you'll see that it's actually like a lot of layers and the sort of core region of the brain, which is called that's, is that's that, my dog. Uh, Wally Jr. over there. Yeah, yeah. That's my dog burger. Burger. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm allergic to dogs, unfortunately. Yeah, it sucks. But if you took like the brain and you looked at the sort of center, the core of it, this area is called the limbic system. And okay. this, this system, uh, is responsible for movement and reward is where your dopamine is like really like made. Right. And so okay. if, if you look at a rat brain, a human brain, an ape brain, a cat's brain, if you look at burger's brain, which <laughs> <laughs> you would see that actually, like we share a lot of those structures, uh, oh, wow. in the core of that area of the brain, which means they're highly conserved, which right. means that no matter what species, there's some resemblance in those regions of the brain that do the same thing, like movement and reward and like, I don't know, sex or whatever. And wow. so as you go more and more to the surface of the brain, to the cortical regions, like the areas that are lighting up during laughter, uh, those are actually the more evolved areas of the brain. So okay. if you ever saw a rat brain, for example, the surface of it is like really smooth, but if you saw a human brain or even like a dolphin brain, you would see like layers on top because throughout the eons, the brain is just growing on top of it, on top of itself over and over again and getting more and more compact and more and more concentrated. So in a way, like these structures that are lighting up in the brain, uh, actually do require some evolutionary things. Like it's not like you can tell the same joke to a rat and the rat would get it. You know what I mean? It's like, right, right. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, like, let me ask, like, if if you were to if you had a sort of uh based on this information like the reward pathways in the brain are on the surface of the brain the sort of the the sort of movement and sex pathways in the brain are towards the center like 
Have you ever tried experimenting with your audience to try to see which one of these subject areas you can poke? Because as a scientist, like we're all about experimenting. We're all about hypotheses, independent, dependent variables, and then trying to get a result. So have you ever tried, I guess, experimenting with your audience on the structure of a joke or the type of the type of comedy or the type of humor or maybe timed how long it took to elicit a laugh once you do have you ever done like a self sort of scientific reflection on your own sort of craft well the only scientific or the only kind of um experimenting i would do is try a new joke um and see if they if they can relate to it if it's relatable i should say um and then if it is relatable um is the punchline strong enough you know to that warrants a laugh um subject matter i really don't like to go too crazy with the subject matter because if i go too far out that means i have to kind of like go that far to bring them back you know because um my job is to make them laugh and if i can make them think a little bit that's great too but um i think the club owners you know they want to see people laughing and you know more than reflective or confused or wondering <laughs> what's uh what's going on okay okay and like do you consider like maybe as part of the science of comedy uh this scientific approach to understanding uh how your jokes land do you ever mm-hmm. think about like what your intended takeaway for the audience might be or what the uh or how your technique, not necessarily the delivery, how, how you deliver your delivery at, uh, may affect the may affect the takeaway of the audience, or how maybe you can incorporate sound effects, or the mic itself, or music, or something of that nature, to insert these 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 independent variables into your joke equation to elicit more or less of a response. Like, to what degree can you sort of? Mm, uh, I guess how how modular is the delivery of your technique to a point where you can maximize the amount of laughter you can get from your audience? Um, or, I mean, or what if the audience just sucks? The audience could just suck too, you know. That well, happens. I mean, yeah, the audience could suck, and um, then once again, it's finding that common thread that everyone can you know enjoy on you know on the same level, so to speak. So that's the tricky part. If the audience sucks, you kind of find why they suck. You know what happened before. What's you know what's what's the um, uh, uh, the factor? Uh, two weeks ago, I had to perform at a fundraiser, and it was for um, um, addict suicide. I had to get up there after this kid or his mother read a note, her his, his last note to his family as he committed suicide. And then they go, okay, time for comedy. Come on. Yeah, right, exactly. So you're going, So, you know, it's one of those things now where I realized that I have to state the obvious. You know, how are you gonna do comedy after a note like that? How are you gonna make people laugh with such a sad, you know? So that gives relief. Everyone's thinking that. 
And so <laughs> you know, that's what I said. I'm like, really? I'm, I'm up here now to make you laugh after I'm wiping their eyes. So, so reading this, well, how can you do that to somebody? So, you know, and I'm saying it's it's very, very sad, you know, that you that you're, you know, this person has done that and you know, and his mom's here and she's missing a child. So what wants to do now? You know, I'm going to tell them knock knock jokes now. Yeah. Gonna, you know, we're just, we're gonna get, let's throw some crayons and, and so what? you know, yeah. And so that's the problem. It's you know, it's you gotta you gotta uh, um, find that common thread. And like I keep going back to relatability, but it really is that you know something that everyone in the room can relate to. And yeah, man, it was just I just thought it was just really cruel. Like it's like a movie. <laughs> On me, <laughs> going up there and like, all right, make us laugh. Like, Come on, man. No, no, no. How the hell did you end up in that situation where now you got to follow up with someone's suicide note? Right. I mean, how did you end up in that situation? Like, seriously, I mean. Well, I mean, they asked me the comedy club. I'm, I'm, I'm really good friends with, and we have a good, good relationship with. You know, they wanted. To, I'm a clean comedian, and so I don't do. You know much curse. I don't curse at all, actually. Much nice. Yeah. And so they wanted, you know, a, a comic to do that. And I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. And, um, it's, you know, they, you know, they get a lot of comedians because they, they have um, a lot of fundraisers at these comedy clubs. And they said, it's a fundraiser. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, done tons of them. So I'm like, yeah, no problem. Sure. Just tell me time to be there and I'll be there. But yeah, so when I got there and then I started reading, you know, what's the, uh, what's the cause, you know, and I'm like, oh man, that's, that's pretty heavy. And then, you know, they have people speaking and some people who, you know, who are fighting their addiction and, you know, you know, they've been 10 years sober, three months sober, you know, and then there's no, and I, I'm like, why would you do that? And this woman wants to read a note from her son who, you know, passed away like six months ago. She wanted to read his note, how, you know, how beautiful this child is. I'm like, why? What? I, I shouldn't be laughing, but, but it's hilarious. But I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's for laughter because I want you to relate to you know, what I'm, what I'm dealing with and, you know, and how crazy that is. Uh, unbelievable. And I mean, so, you know, it's, it, you, you have a history Wally of just like coming out of really tough like situations and just like kind of overcoming and understanding and making it relatable, like it, like it, like in this situation with the suicide though, you know? And so, you know, like I know, like uh, when getting into comedy, you know, you you often describe like how you felt like you bombed your first time, and right. and sometimes like some people just give up at that point, and some people just say, you know what, I'm not funny, like I can't do this, and mm-hmm. and surround themselves with a lot of negativity, and 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 just give up, man, and right. and you know, show business is a tough deal, like is is a tough, tough cutthroat world, like science is the same way, it's very cutthroat. Uh, mm-hmm. but you have to have the perseverance to get through it. And, you know, I, though, though I'm not sure, I, I, I perceive that you never know is, is all about that is all about, you know, encouraging words to get you out of those tough situations right. where maybe you don't have all the friends and allies around to encourage you. And maybe you need an outlet or you need a space to, to encourage right. yourself. So, you know, how would you describe the origins of you never know? To, to somebody who never heard about it before. Sorry, that siren is going by. I'm just letting you know that I live in New York City. So Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I guess we can forgive the ambulance that's going by that's like trying to save someone's life. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Wait, you know, I think we're getting a two for I think a fire truck's coming by too, so... Well, yeah, here's the fire truck. Yo, Yay! Yo, what is, <laughs> so, what is going on? The, you, you know, know what, man? 
I, I live, um, what do you call it, Riverside Drive in New York City. So it's like a main artery. It's like, it's oh, on the no. Manhattan. So yeah, a lot of uh, uh, fire trucks and uh, ambulance, you know, go this way because it's just, it's just easier instead of going like in through town. You, know? you get it so, all the time then, don't you? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of yeah, fun. a lot of fun. I'm so used to it now. It's a lullaby. I, I get sad if I don't hear any sirens. You know, it, it's like, so my, 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 my crib in Brooklyn, like we have the subway right in our backyard and it just oh, rolls wow. by like every 20 minutes. Oh, man. And the, the train's just passing through. And honestly, like, I don't even... Mm, it doesn't even register anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> so used to it. Yeah, and you know, so funny because I'm so used to it, but I'm only conscious of it when I'm having a conversation with someone or, you know, and they're talking and I'm like, oh, no, I hope they don't think that I'm not listening or I can't hear them or something like that. Or I'm having a conversation, I'm talking, and I feel that uh, should I talk over the siren or just stop talking at all? You know, but um, I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But this is... Uh, this is my life. This is what uh, is New York, New <laughs> where this ambulance is going around yeah. all the time. <laughs> but uh, you know, so like, before you never know, like, yeah. you know, for somebody never heard about it, like, how, where were you that, where were you on the day where you realized you wanted to write this thing, and what was your mindset, and what was the inspiration for this for this book? Before I got into stand up, um, I was designing buildings. I was an architect, and I really wanted to entertain. I really loved that idea of entertaining. And my mother asked if I could be anything, what would it be? And I said, I'd love to be an, an actor. And she says, why are you designing buildings if you want to be an actor? And I said to her, I come from Springfield, Massachusetts. No one famous ever came from Springfield, Massachusetts. And she said, <laughs> words, you never know. Uh. Right. And I was, I was really surprised that she said that. And she says, look, we want our children to be happy. You know, your dad and I want you to be happy. We don't want you doing, doing something that you're miserable at. You know, do something that you love, that, you know, a reason for you to get up in the morning. You know, and I was like, well, cool. So I said to her, I don't even know where to start. And she says, well, why don't you try stand-up comedy and then parlay that into an acting career? And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I always enjoyed being in front of an audience, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I always had like these shower thoughts and I would write them down. So I, the, they had a, a, a open mic night about 45 minutes away from uh, where I live. And I called and I said, can I go on? And it was on a Wednesday. And he said, yeah, sure. And I, and told me to prepare five minutes and uh, I prepared 10 minutes because I knew I was going to get an encore. Because oh, I knew I was excuse me. You never yeah. know. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So um, I got up there. I did my 10 minutes and three minutes. And so I had two minutes of just nothingness. And it was just so awkward and, oh, man, so uncomfortable. Uh, and I walked to the stage and I saw my car through the window and I was beelining it to the car. And the manager or the booker stopped me and says, where are you going? And I said, well, I tried. It didn't work. He goes, no, but you have the gift. You have stage presence. Learn it. You know, you have to learn how to write material. That's something you can learn. But um, getting up there and being present and, and, and being um, uh, comfortable on stage, you have that. You can't teach that. So mm -hmm. he put $5 in my hand and said to me, see you next week and work on your act. And I knew I had it. So the first time I stepped on stage as a comedian, I got paid. So that was, that was a sign right there. So well, I kept going, kept going. And I just kept using my mother's mantra, you know, you never know. And I had a lot of success uh, working Comedy Central. I'm the first African-American on Comedy Central. There you go. Breaking so barriers. I that, and I got 50 commercials under my belt because you never know. Uh, film, television, all that. Because I kept that mantra, you never know. And I'm, and I'm very, very happy with that. I, you know, I just have this happiness. 
So I wanted to share my happiness with other people and I wanted to be clever with you never know. So I condensed it to one word. You never know. Uh-huh. And so can I show the? Oh, please do. And you know, there, there's nothing like a good $5 to get those dopamine pathways going. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I so I condensed it to you never know like that. And so I started a website to encourage people to go for their dreams, goals, and desires. And then I real and so every Monday I'll write a blog to encourage people and use that blog for the week to be encouraged to get through that week. So I wrote like a hundred of them. I said, this would be a great book that people can take with them. You know, if they're, you know, if they're feeling down, if they're feeling a struggle, they feel some kind of uh, obstacle in their way, this book's going to help them get through it over around it and succeed and, you know, getting to, um, to that happy place. And um, so I wrote the book, self-published it um, on Amazon and um, there you go. So this might be like a, a hard question because it would be okay. for me if I wrote that book, which is what is your favorite encouragement from the oh, book? Oh, God. That's like asking what is your favorite child? Exactly. Okay. No, you know what? We, we, it, it's hard. It, All right. changes. it All right. changes every day. It changes. So what is the one for, I guess, the times? Maybe the last like year maybe or the last um, like 18 months to a year. Which which one of these mantras would relate to you know all that we've been through? Um, <laughs> I'm just going to uh, get through it right quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, just going to just slip through one and try and think of. Um... All right, so the one is called "It's a Fact." It's a fact. Yeah, that's one of the encouragements. It's a fact. Now, it's a fact that um, when you're in a casino, that it's a fact that you're not going to win all the time, you know, is this that, you know, you, you're not, it's a fact. It's a, it's a scientific fact. And it's a, it's the statistically true since we are, since science loves statistics. So right. for the nerd. And it's statistically true that you're not going to lose all the time. That's also true. Right. Yeah. So if you understand that you're not going to lose all the time, so why not use that as your motivator understanding? Yeah, you're going to lose sometimes, but you know what? We all can't be losers. Like you said, we all can't be winners. We all can't be losers. <laughs> so let that be a motivator to say, you know what? Um, I'm not, you know, there's going to be a time when I'm going to win. And there are times when people say, I always lose, I always lose. Well, how come you can't always win? You, you can always win. And you can always, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let that be your motivator to say, you know what? I can, I can, I can win this. You know what, I'm man? Like, uh, you know, that's like kind of like kind of similar to one of my own mantras, which is like everywhere is up when you started at the bottom, you know? Right. Like, you know, I grew up like really poor and like just terrible. And I was in, once I realized I crap, like I'm once I saw like rich people and see how they live and see, how carefree they are about a lot of these day-to-day issues that I had to deal with. Right. Like, you know, food. <laughs> exactly. I, that's when I realized like, yo, like everywhere is up from here. Right. So everything I do at this point is, is progress. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, no matter what, this class is going to be at least half full, no matter what I do. And so, right. and so for that reason, like that dopamine and that reinforcing behavior was 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 working for me 
and showing right. me that like doing this feels good and 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 these reward pathways are activated when I get an A in school or right. I make my crush laugh or you know I make anybody laugh or I make or I get a nice five dollars uh in my hand and it feels right. good for that for that dopamine. <laughs> so you know science and comedy and reward and this feeling of of satisfaction is all like intertwined with each other in our day to day lives, and that's a fact. Right there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you know, let's say somebody wants to get in touch with you sometime, man, and just and just like learn about you or your and your book and your journey. How, how would somebody reach out to you? Um, they can come over and visit, but other than that, um, they can go online. Uh, uh, Instagram, Wally Collins, W-A-L-I-C-O-L-L-I-N-S. Um, Facebook, um, Twitter, um, The Wally Collins on TikTok. Uh, yeah, I'm on TikTok now. Nice. Um, go to the website, wallycollins.com. There, there's, yeah, and it's W-A-L-I, not W-A-L-L-Y. It's four letters, W-A-L-I. There you go, there you go. That's Wally Collins for you. I mean, I, I, mean, I, fe- I feel like... That it's a fact was like a really great way to kind of wrap up this whole story of of dopamine and journey and encouragements. And it, it just yeah. it just fit like a bow, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, you know, Wally, like uh it was it, it was a pleasure, man. Like having oh, man. this and doing this. Thanks for having me. Dude, this is so much fun, man. Like Wally, right. it was a pleasure. Thank you yeah, so it's much. A Thanks yeah. so much for having me, man. It's, I've, I've never gone down this road of, uh, you know, of humor, so I appreciate it. Thanks for asking. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Thoughts Science and Social Justice Podcast. Check out the Instagram, deep underscore thoughts underscore podcast on Instagram. Shoot me a DM. Let me know what you think. If you have any cool ideas that you want to express to the podcast i'm happy to answer it i'm very open to dms or you know a cool person or a cool scientist that wants to come on and has a story to tell i am here for it also check out the patreon i'm trying to improve this podcast professionalize it more get a better recording space better software better equipment and that patreon is going to be the place where you can donate what you can to this podcast this is a people powered podcast i want to avoid ads on this podcast if possible uh, so donate what you can from a dollar per episode. I'll shout you out at the end of every episode that you're a subscriber. This podcast will be people powered and accountable to you and only you. Stay tuned. Future episodes incoming. Stand by.